0: Hello everybody, you're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 624, The
1: Big Dom (laughs)
0: Debacle. Hello Big Chillians, and welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, you've got me on the edge of my seat right now because you have promised me a good Vasilis story. <laughs> well, so <it's> let's, not... <laughs> let's say hello to listeners, cut, yeah. cut all the formalities, and let's get right to Vasilis.
1: <laughs> so this is, you know, for listeners who are new, obviously we haven't had a good Vasilis story in a while. I would encourage them to go back and listen to the sex party story, which which was a couple of years ago. Now, when there's been a few good vast stories, this is not on the level of the sex party. I don't think anything ever will be on that level. However, we were out on Sunday night. We were at a bar. We were watching the NFL games, or I was, he was in his own world. But uh, at one moment, he asked for his vape to be charged behind the bar, his vape pen. And so it was charging. And then uh, there was this girl working at this bar. It's on a bar we go to super frequently. We'd never met her before. Uh, Vass was probably a little bit smitten and in usual Vass, Uh, you know, approach also assumed that she was extremely interested in him as well, because how could she not be? And so we kind of hanging out there, we've had a couple drinks and then all of a sudden she comes over and says, Hey, close your eyes. I have a surprise for you. So he closes his eyes. eyes. This is not going to obviously go down well for the, Audio listeners, it's a little bit hard to, but she's on the other side of the bar. So she's still behind the bar. He is directly in front of her. He closes his eyes. He purses his lips and he leans forward for a kiss. <laughs> and then she goes, I'm not going to kiss you. Your vape pen is charged. <laughs> just hands him back his vape pen.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: Oh, was- I love it.
0: I wish, I, I wish when he, when she, when he leaned in, she like put the vape pen in his mouth. That would have been
1: perfect. I've rarely laughed harder at a bar. And it was one of the kind of cringiest, most embarrassing things I'd ever witnessed. <laughs> in fairness to Vast, he has the kind of personality where he was able to save it. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a kind of night ruiner from that perspective. But yeah, it was unbelievable to watch. It made me so happy like this was mid 49ers dismantling the Eagles and I enjoyed that more than I did what <laughs> some of the San Francisco 49ers were doing to the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Uh, who, who who took the heartbreak worse, him or Jalen Hurts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he he took it the same way as uh
0: or or does he do like like a great Vasilis move and says like, "Oh, she did that because she, I know she really likes me and she's just playing
1: with me. <laughs> no, he did. He pulled, he tried to pull the, I was only joking move. He was like, I thought I was pulling the funny joke. Like I'm the funny one, right? Like, of course she wasn't going to kiss me. That was his spin on it. But I know Vass well enough. And I know he'd had enough drinks where there's absolutely no way that that's the, the kind of prank he was pulling. But, you know, as I said, he's got, it suits him. They're kind of doing the dumb stuff and making people laugh. It's, you know, on brand for Vass, and so he was able to, you know, if I th- if either you or I had had a similar experience, I think I'm in an Uber home immediately, and I'm never going back to that bar. Like that is one of the most embarrassing stories of my life. But for Vass, he can just shake it off, keep going. <laughs> And you know he's got a goldfish memory when it comes to talking to girls. So he was immediately right back in there as if nothing had <laughs> happened. Oh, he uh, subscribes
0: to the Ted Lasso philosophy.
1: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, he would have been the perfect. You know, you would have said he would have been the perfect NFL quarterback. You know, Vass is the kind of guy. He's like Jameis Winston. He would have, like, thrown four consecutive pick sixes and then been on the sidelines telling everybody how he's got this and how this is the like, perfect position for him to be in. And that really, actually, that's, you know, that's actually a great analogy because I'm almost
0: <laughs> positive I've seen that happen oh, yeah. at a bar.
1: <laughs> oh, no, 100%. And he would have only, He would also told you, like, it's too easy for me. I had to get us down 28 points because if not, this would have been a stroll in the park. And so for him there, he would have been like, she was all over me. If I didn't, if I didn't look like a kind of loser, then, you know, she would have been just eating out of my hands. So too easy, it, too easy, too easy. You know, no one wants the low hanging fruit. Oh boy. But yeah, I guess as we've been alluding to some of the NFL action there, I guess we can discuss, a. Not the most eventful weekend of NFL football, but still uh, some significant action there. Yeah. Notably, the 49ers beating the Philadelphia Eagles in the manner in which they did. And really, I think, laying claim, we don't do power rankings, we don't do any of that stuff, but really laying claim to the, the number one spot in our non-existent power rankings. Especially considering, we obviously discussed it last episode, when you then factor in that the Cowboys didn't look totally convincing against the Seahawks on Thursday night football. So they didn't you know, it's a win against a probably a playoff team, yeah. maybe it's 41 Seahawks. points. <laughs> yeah. But they also allowed the Seahawks just, yeah, <laughs> a, a team that hadn't been scoring freely over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's it was a quite impressive performance by the Niners. Um I I have to say, you know, I knock Debo a lot and I always ask where Debo's been but I have to say the Niners looked like a different team when Debo was injured and since he's come back and I don't know if that is the reason I mean obviously he had a good game this game but he has had other games like the past few where he wasn't as active as he is but maybe just the the pure threat of Debo Samuel just getting the ball and running through your entire team changes the way that your defense has to play because since he's been back, I mean, their offense looks like it's at another level right now. And it's, it's like, I don't know how you stop an offense where what is your best option that he's throwing to George Kittle? Is, is that what yes. you, is that what you try to play for that he throws to one of the top five best catching tight ends in the league? <laughs>
1: No, I think you're right, and I think I mean obviously there's a Trent Williams factor too, right? And that makes yeah, a big difference. Trent Williams Deficit- also back um, compared to when they when they had both Debo and Trent out over that three game losing streak, it's obviously their absence was noticeable. Yeah, I think obviously Debo, one of the best wide receivers in the league, so adding him as a weapon is big. But I think you're also right. It's just at a certain moment in time, it's too many offensive weapons to deal with. Yeah, like you can't it's crazy. You, like you got to double team someone in a sense because you kind of feel like you have to. That probably has to be how you game planning specifically for Christian McCaffrey because if not, he'll just, you know, run you to death and be hit on, you know, quick throws out of the backfield. But then you've also got Debo Samuel to do it, deal with. You've got Ayuk who is – having a great like, season. Great Quietly like, having a phenomenal season. <laughs> yeah. I mean huge season. And I give him credit because there are – you know, wide receivers tend to be divas. And he seems to have accepted his role as, yeah, he'll get targeted a handful of times a game. He definitely benefits. I think he's aware of the fact that he benefits from all of those other weapons being there. And he kind of gets to be there as the big play receiver, but might feel like he should be a number one. And then, yeah, George Kittle is almost the forgotten man in this offense, which is really strange because a couple of years ago, George Kittle was the focal point of the Niners offense. So... And he also deserves credit for taking that in stride because I, okay, tight ends aren't quite the divas of wide receivers, but you still have to be, <laughs> you know, it takes a certain mentality to accept I've gone from probably the number one target in this offense to in the very least number two to now I'm the fifth target of all the time. <laughs> like I'm just there if everything else is kind of breaking down. So, hey, at least he's yeah. above
0: use, Jack. still.
1: <laughs> yeah, for now, until the playoffs roll around. But uh, it's, yeah, I just think it's so hard to, to stop. And look, I said last episode, I got to do it. I got I to gotta throw the, the Hewitt curse onto this, I suppose. But is Brock Purdy the leading MVP candidate now? Because I think he is at this stage. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, according to the odds, he is the leading MVP candidate. I I mean, I guess so there's a few reasons why I think he's going to get knocked. So I think the first reason he's going to get knocked is because he's still relatively young in the NFL landscape. And not that that should be a thing to knock him on. You know that there will be writers and voters who say, like, how's this guy going to be MVP? He's barely played a season and a half. Like, we can't make him MVP. We've never made a rookie, basically, the MVP, which, I mean, he's not a rookie, but he kind of almost is at this point, his first full season, starting season. So I think that's going to be a knock on him. I think, obviously, the he has a lot of weapons is going to be a knock, which is also extremely unfair because when you look at the other candidates that are up there, you have Lamar Jackson, who, yeah, maybe he doesn't have as many weapons, but still has a pretty good offense. And then you have Jalen Hurts, who has a phenomenal offense as well, and Dak Prescott, who probably is his number one contender right now. And he also has, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb and a bunch of others. So like, he's not short of weapons either. So that's, I think, a little unfair. The other one is he's still getting called a game manager. And I mean, unfortunately, when you look at like Debo Samuel's performance, I think it was... 110 out of his 115 yards were yards after the catch. So things like that don't help, but I don't I don't agree with that. I think he is playing at a high caliber quarterback level. He's not just throwing dump-offs even though a lot. He does have short passes, but he also has really good long long range accuracy. I mean, all of his passes to Ayuk are usually, you know, 15 yard plus, you know, dropping it right on a dime there. So like I I think whether he should or shouldn't I don't know yet. There's still a lot a lot of season to play out, but I do think he's going to get some unfair criticism because of all those things.
1: No, I think that's a fair point. And then you factor in the Christian McCaffrey near, well, record-setting performance and just the fact that, you know, he's a gimme for a touchdown a game yeah. and that hurts him slightly. Except but for yeah, the one game you go to. Except for the one game I attended in person, yeah. That being said, though, right, I mean, statistically, you love your statistics. Pass rating, he's number one in the NFL. Completion yes, QBR, percentage. number one QBR. Completion percentage, number one. Touchdowns per attempt, number one. Yards per attempt, number one. Yards per completion, number one. Now, okay, you could break those down, and it kind of leans into one of your points, which is there's a lot of yards after the catch. And, but that's also – the thing that I feel sorry for him in that respect is that's this offense in general. Yeah, like that's no, Shanahan, I agree. Like you could put Tom Brady or who Patrick Mahomes or whoever you want at quarterback in their prime in this offense, and Shanahan wants like he doesn't want he doesn't want a recreation of the sort of Patriots era Randy Moss fifty yard <laughs> completions downfield all the time. Like that's just not what he's he's trying to get out of out of his offense. But it, you know he's impressive it's just a you know and he you know what he's also kind of hurt by he seems nice he doesn't have a lot of personality in terms of getting media attention which i yeah. think has also hurt that prescott at times too because he doesn't really have that sort of Oh, he's got the sleep number yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but you know like the grabbing the media attention and i think that that helps the niners that he is just kind of flying under the radar from a personality standpoint, not trying to turn himself into a superstar, but it probably hurts you from winning the media over and winning the mass sort of appeal element over if you're in terms of a a kind of MVP candidacy.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause like you are very right. And it's weird that he, he isn't as hyped by the media as he is because when, I, all right, let's compare two scenarios. You have Tommy DeVito who is a walk-on Giants QB who I'll give him credit is playing much better than his opening performance of minus 5 yards passing. He's actually a salvageable backup right now. He has been getting so much attention for being Danny uh 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 cutlets or whatever they keep calling them and doing like the italian symbols and and gestures hand gestures his
1: his, his family in the stands and stuff yeah tommy
0: cutlets and you've heard you've heard a thousand times the stories about how he lives with his mom or his parents and his mom still cooks him dinner and does his laundry it's everywhere like espn has it like on their front page but yet Brock Purdy on his bye week goes home and goes farming for the entire weekend, which I think is as equally funny a funniest story that you just have this quarterback for the best team in the NFL is just sitting on a tractor on his bye week riding around his farm, and no one even talks about it. Like I think that's hysterical. Got to
1: correct you slightly, there not even his home. It's his fiance's. His fiance's home. Farm. Yes. So in a sense, even more boring because it's not even him like going back to his roots. It's him. I don't think like, that's
0: boring. I think that's even more interesting because no, he's
1: he's from Arizona. He's from Phoenix. Yeah. So
0: it's like a Phoenix boy, like who's who's got the number one offense in the country is riding his fiance's tractor on her farm or her family's farm. Like I think that's amazing. But no one's calling him, I don't know, like I don't know, Brock Brock Cornhusk or something, you know? <laughs> uh
1: uh yeah no it's it's true and i'm sure some of that's by design both on his part and probably the 49ers too in terms of how he's being advised of hey look you're not going to give a lot of interviews we've got no interest in you turning yourself into the kind of face of the franchise at this point and it's smart because obviously they do have it goes back to the players on the team accepting not being the the sort of star It helps, right, when you have a quarterback who's not seemingly not wanting to be the star either. You know, like he kind of gets to set the tone, even though he is, you know, significantly less experienced than all of the other players. That was always one of the big arguments, right, for the success of the Belichick and Brady era is that Brady really set the tone in terms of not necessarily wanting to be as big of a star as he could have been, not wanting to be paid like he could have been, you know, all of those things. And Purdy kind of following that game plan, I guess, to a certain extent. Pay will we'll see when that rolls around. But um, you know, that's and, and if you're the if you're being really cynical, maybe that's part of the reason why the 49ers are also encouraging him to keep a low profile. Because maybe part <laughs> of the argument is we can't pay everyone. And if you don't tur- if you like fail to turn yourself into one of the NFL's leading men over the next couple of years then we might not have to pay you quite as much like this might not be a record setting nfl contract but yeah it's strange but i know very little about him which is pretty impressive given the i know he's from
0: queen creek arizona i think that's about all i know i know he's
1: pretty religious
0: (laughs) and i know and i know his brother is a quarterback at nebraska and
1: his name's bubba (laughs) and i know his parents sit in the stands not in a box yeah, like the, these, these are the things I kind of know, and I know he's engaged, and I know his wife is from Iowa, and this is or fiance, and this is all I know, and that's pretty <laughs> impressive given. Again, and you're right, the story again, like they made such a big deal out of being Mr. Irrelevant, and then it seems people are, like, eh, it's kind of actually not as interesting as we thought it was. Yeah, like this guy coming coming out of nowhere to be, arguably the leading quarterback in the NFL this season, well, it's okay. Let's focus on this guy who might have mafia ties. That's the thing we're going (laughs) to – that's really going to get us interested.
0: Great segue, Eddie. (laughs) Speaking of mafia ties, I have never been more angry at sidelines and people on the sidelines in my life than the fucking fiasco with Big Dom and the Eagles. That is absolutely fucking outrageous to me that they have a person on the sidelines who pushes a player out of the way, like physically pushes him, And then that player retaliates by literally just sticking his hand in his face, like literally tried to almost like pick his nose. It looked like, and then the player gets thrown out because big fucking Dom and his 400 pound (laughs) body got in the way. It is so ridiculous. Like I was, For someone who had no stake at all in that game, that whole instance infuriated me so much. And it is such an Eagles thing. That is something only that would be the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they need to have that type of special security on the sidelines during a game. I get it. You have player security and that they might be part of the travel. But you have like
0: state troopers and other police officers on the field. Why do you need just a 450 pound dude that stands there next to you. What is he doing? Who's he going to run down (laughs) besides a fucking hot dog vendor?
1: (laughs) This is part of the problem though is like this, it's that whole get back culture, right? This idea that we suddenly, we have to tolerate the fact that NFL coaches and even some players can't control themselves in the excitement of an NFL game and have to be like held back by these personnel and stuff. Once we created that type of culture, we were headed towards this sort of issue pretty quickly, because we're basically taking personal responsibility out of the people on the sidelines. Because you, if you need a head coach to be dragged off the field by you know the fitness trainer or whoever it is who normally does it, then you're also gonna kind of lean in. But yeah, you're right, it's very on brand for the Eagles. I'm gonna have a rant here about Sirianni and also Big Dom. Both of them wear the Italian flag, on there. Like, Big Dom has it on the side of his shirt. Siriani has it on the side of his visor and the side of his shirt, I think. I've got nothing wrong with people being proud of their heritage, but I find that so insufferable. And like, you're not Italian. I hate to break it to you. And if you are Italian, then why are you crying during the Star Spangled Banner on a daily basis, seemingly, when you're Siriani? And I just... You know, you're not – He. I saw recently he gave this talk about how he felt like he was setting the example for Italian-Americans, that they too could achieve great things. I mean, are we – like, is this – do Italian-Americans in 2023 feel like they are uh, incapable of achieving great things in the United States? Like, this is not the 1920s where they're being discriminated against. You know, this is – it's just hey tommy time.
0: cutlets had a claw his way into that starting lineup
1: <laughs> yeah sure yeah yeah that, there's very few nfl players who have italian backgrounds never happens but no i think that it just bothers me. as a whole the eagles organization really bothers me oh inf- it With, infuriates me which i don't like having that be because the whole people hating philadelphia because of their fan base and whatever i don't want to be Part of that thing. I mean, they're not always great, but still, that's not the reason I dislike the Eagles right now. And I actually do like quite a lot of the Eagles players. Which, I mean, we've spoken about this off the podcast. Like, yeah. I quite like Jalen Hurts.
0: I do he too. Like- it's it's such a shame.
1: I like. I, AJ I Brown. genuinely
0: like him. I think he's a really nice guy. Actually, I do also like AJ Brown. Yeah, he's a little he's a little weird, but I I think Jalen Hurts is is actually like a really like he seems like a really nice person, really down yeah. to earth. He's super strong in the weight room, which I always respect.
1: (laughs) But but no, you know, like actually, to be perfectly honest, I can't single out a single Eagles player who really annoys me. Like they don't have, you know.
0: But you know who I can't stand, Eddie? Sirianni and his 450 fucking pound henchman who looks like Kingpin from the Marvel comics.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know how.
0: Big Dom, get the hell out of here.
1: If you're the NFL (laughs) he shouldn't be allowed on the sidelines again.
0: Oh. I mean that. If if they are going to they suspended that person, I don't know if you saw that. They suspended the photographer who Tyreek Hill took his phone when he did the backflip celebration. They suspended him for the rest of the year from being on the field because Tyreek Hill took his phone and did a backflip celebration. But fucking Big Dom pushes a player on the field and if he's not gone for the rest of the year, that's ridiculous. Yeah, or unless, unless, I, unless Big Dom's gonna you know put the on them and they're a little
1: nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll add him to the fifty-three man roster. Maybe that's how they'll they'll work around it. But yeah, no, if he's you know, it's just so unacceptable. And look, I mean, sometimes we steal some. I say steal. We refer to the stuff that Bill Simmons says. He made <laughs> a fair point in a big game. Then, if that's the precedent that the NFL is setting. Why wouldn't you just have non-playing personnel line the sidelines and yeah. taunt and push opposition players? Because no one care. No one cares. Like in the Super Bowl, no one's going to care if Big Dom gets kicked off the sidelines. But you might care if you know Bosa gets kicked out of the game because he gets into a pushing battle with you know some ra- random security staff member. Like you are, yeah. you are telling teams, hey, you want a small advantage this might be it. You if you play this correctly, okay, you can't do it every week because we probably crack down on it, but you might be able to find the right moment to really take advantage of this.
0: It's it's absolutely tr- like it's it is ridiculous. And what even bothers me more is Green like what Greenlaw did, it wasn't even a thing. He like grazed his nose. And I read one article that was like he he threw a punch at him. Like, if you think that is how Greenlaw punches, then I think you you should definitely not go in a ring against him. Because when he actually winds up and tries to punch someone, he would fucking knock you out. Like, that was not a punch. It was a point with, like, a flick at the end. I think it's literally what he's doing. I think he was pointing at him saying he pushed me and then, like, kind of, like, flicked him, like, with with his fingers or whatever. Like, come on. You're going to throw him out for that? Because this guy's eating mutz and gobble sandwiches on the sidelines pushing players?
1: <laughs> We're just going to make him a character in The Sopranos now? Is this what's, is this what's happening? Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it was pretty unacceptable. And you know it's a shame, too, we have speak about it a lot of times. It didn't overshadow the 49ers' performance by any means. But still, it's, a, it's disappointing to have that even be a talking point from what should have been. Oh, hey, the 49ers just went in and you know, absolutely dismantle the team with the best record in the NFL. But And I said it to you, I'm not going to read too much into this 49ers victory, even though they did do it so convincingly, just because, A, we've spoken about the fact that the Eagles were kind of due to lose at some point because they couldn't keep getting down by 10 points and at halftime and fighting back. B, they played a slate of tough teams, and that was going to wear them down and see i mean they played those games in close proximity they had less recovery time than the 49ers did they also you throw in an overtime game that if you did all the breakdown of like the number of plays that their players have been involved in versus the 49ers it was clear advantage to the 49ers going into that game in a way that it will not be in a playoff game if they play each other again in the NFC championships so I think for the 49ers, it's a good confidence boost, especially if they're going to have to go on the road in the NFC Championship game, which is a distinct possibility. But I'm not now going to say (laughs) they should definitely be sort of three-point favorites in the NFC Championship based on what happened in the regular season.
0: Yeah. I will say, though, it is a little annoying. I I get what you're saying. This is this is you having your pie and eating it, too. So you can gloat about the Niners crushing them. But then you say, like, it doesn't matter so much. But what I dislike more is Eagles fans who are doing the oh, congratulations, you won the regular season championship. We'll see you in the playoffs. It's like, oh, yeah. Didn't you play uh, like the fourth string quarterback that that week and still almost kind of lost to them? Like, good luck. <laughs> What's what oh. do you think's changing from what you did in this game to the next game?
1: Yeah, no, I look. I'm not saying I'm not trying to have my cake and eat it too. I expect the 49ers now, unless something happens from an injury standpoint in between now and through the playoff run, they are favorites to win the NFC. I think they are. They will be and should remain favorites to win the Super Bowl. Like, there's kind of no excuses for them from this point out, minus the possibility of injuries. So I'm not trying to say. This, and I do think this matters because you can't tell me, I mean, no matter what level of plays of sport you've played at, you cannot tell me it does not help to go and just like absolutely thromp, to use your word, a oh. team and not. Think I don't know if thromp's strong enough. <laughs> and not think that you're going to go into the play, like play them again in the playoffs and not take something positive from that. Like that they're, and even if they then find themselves in a situation where they're losing to the Eagles, be able to tell themselves, like, we know we can score points in bunches against this team. Like this is not, we do not have to be afraid of what they can do to us. So like, it's, it is definitely a meaningful thing. And I think had they lost on the back of having lost to them in the NFC championship game, you would have started to feel like uh, the same way I feel about the Cowboys, when it comes to the Niners, zero fear of playing the Cowboys in the playoffs, just because the Niners just handle the Cowboys every time. Thrompt them. You might've started to feel like that way with the Eagles and the Niners of like, this is just one of those teams that kind of have your number. Maybe it's a bit of a bad matchup. Maybe you don't know how, how to stop Jalen hurts, you know, like whatever it is. So it matters, but at the same time, they will play each other in very different circumstances. If they meet again in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying, (laughs) but should be favorites.
0: Let me then throw out you a few quick notes in the NFL here. Next week, the Eagles are right back at it, playing the Cowboys. Who do you expect to win that game?
1: It's tough. I think I, I actually lean towards the Cowboys at the moment.
0: I heavily lean towards the Cowboys. I mean, they're
1: favorites, right? The Cowboys? Um,
0: I mean, probably should have beaten them the first time and have, since that game, been on a better trajectory, I think, than the Eagles have been. Although the Eagles did win against the Bills, but again, that was a game they definitely could have lost. I mean, they have not looked good since they beat the Cowboys.
1: Yeah.
0: Not look good is is strong, but have not looked as good as... Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, no, and I mean it's a little bit of a concern for them, right? Because you just they got the Cowboys, then they have the then they have the Seahawks. Like those are two. But then they got the Giants twice in three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> think get easier.
0: But, oh man, Big Dom and Tommy Cutlets are going to have a pregame meal together. Have a big fucking <laughs> pasta pasta bowls you know, on they'll be, Saturday.
1: They'll, they'll be feeding each <laughs> other on the sidelines, not, not <laughs> pushing each other. But the you know, obviously they care about having the number one seed. So these next couple of weeks are going to be big for them from that perspective. Uh, And yeah, you're just the wear and tear that this team will be going through at this stage. Like, that's why I think you have to, I don't see why they just look sort of fatigued right now and they will not have enough recovery time between Sunday and okay, this is, Sunday night football so they get one they get 7 days plus a couple hours to recover for this one I don't think that's enough for me to think that I'm they're going to suddenly be looking fresh whereas the Cowboys again you know it's bad luck for the if you were an Eagles fan you could kind of complain you could say we played the Niners when we'd played Monday night and they had played on Thanksgiving and then we played them in a tough game and then now we're playing the Cowboys who played Thursday night and we played like afternoon games on Sunday. So you are getting each time they're playing a team that's had a few days more rest than them. But yeah, I think you have to make the Cowboys favorites.
0: All right, let me throw another one at you. Are we sure Joe Burrow is actually that good?
1: <laughs> Look, you think you're throwing <laughs> that one at me?
0: <laughs> because because Monday night came around and Jake Browning went 32 for 37, 354 TD, and another rushing TD. If you, if you had told me and I didn't know anything that that was Joe
1: Burrow out there, I would have believed it. <laughs> I mean, Joe Burrow is good. I don't think – there's two quarterbacks who I've never been drinking the Kool-Aid on, and that's Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I think they're both fine, but I've never really thought these guys are going to have incredible NFL careers like I felt like they're going to be on teams that yes make the playoffs and maybe occasionally have a deep playoff run but I don't think 40 years from now we're going to be talking about like whoa Joe Burrow he's up there with the all-time greats I don't think we're even going to be saying he was a generational great so yeah I'm I don't I think it's we can overreact to a backup quarterback <laughs> going out and having one good performance against Okay, probably a playoff team, but not one of the not exactly one of the best teams in the NFL. But still, yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think Joe Burrow is as special as some people seem to think that he is.
0: On the other side of that game, it's a little unfortunate for Trevor Lawrence, um, who suffered a high ankle sprain at the time. They were tied, but the Jags had definitely got the momentum. And I think we're going to probably easily win that game and then uh, Lawrence went down and ended up losing in overtime Uh, although you know they did make a comeback to get that field goal to to bring it to overtime so but nonetheless I think it's a little unfortunate for Lawrence who had actually besides the Niners game had a pretty good run of games he had won I think four out of his last five um, or three out of his last four. Uh, going into this game and had looked good in 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 all of them, except the Niners, where he looked really bad. But I think that's a, that's a tough beat for the Jags, who were in contention for almost a bye <laughs> in well, the yeah, playoffs they gonna, at had that they point.
1: Won, had they won, they were going to go to the one seed, right? So yeah. they, would, they would have, would put have been nine and three. They would have put themselves in the driving seat. Now you have to be concerned for them, because all of a sudden they've got the Browns this weekend. Don't know what Trevor Lawrence's status is. I'm going to assume he's not playing. If they're even reasonably sensible, if they're thinking that they probably will be in the playoffs, why would you risk him? And against a Browns team that has, uh, you know, a good defensive line, like you could deal with Check. some some sacks. Like that's not the necessarily the team you want to play against. And then they follow that up with the game against the Ravens. Like they could suddenly find themselves in a legitimate battle for winning that division. Which Well, I mean Indy and Houston are only one game back on them. Right. So that suddenly is a live division from that perspective, especially if Lawrence is out for more than say two weeks. Because you their final three games, Bucks, Panthers, Titans. I mean, you should you would expect them to win those three games if they need to win them, and if Trevor Lawrence is healthy. So you'd think if you're the Jags now, you'd almost say like punt the next two games if we have to and to guarantee trevor lawrence is healthy wins the final three and is healthy going into the playoffs but obviously yeah, even but if you never know that, a
0: high ankle sprain could you know, the be toughest bad. injuries in the nfl
1: yeah no it could be bad and it's one of those things we could just spend the next few weeks being uncertain of exactly how bad his injury is because they'll just put him on the injury report as having an high ankle sprain and tell us well, you know, we'll decide closer to Sunday and then find he's sitting out each week. So, yeah, it's um, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for the Jags, but I think they'll still definitely make the playoffs, but they could, they've could they gone from potentially having that bye to now maybe being on the road on wildcard weekend. Like, that's a pretty dramatic shift in terms of what your playoff chances look like.
0: All right, Eddie, you mentioned the Browns. Will we see a Joe Flacco playoff appearance? They're 7-5 and five right now, probably not going to win that division, which Baltimore is in the driver's seat now at 9-3, and three, two games up.
1: Yeah, um, I think we see a Joe Flacco. Like if we do the thing, we go through their schedule. So I think they'll beat the Jags now, assuming Trevor Lawrence is not playing. They then play the Bears, who are a little bit resurgent, but I think people are giving the Bears too Ugh. much, too, way too much, too much credit. <laughs> I like,
0: hate when people are like, the Bears are actually not that bad of a team. Really? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: I mean, we, we were speaking <laughs> during that Monday night football game, right? Where it was like, Fields feels like he's having an okay game, but at the same time, They don't have a touchdown. Like this is like how much praise are we giving to a quarterback for scoring 12 points and also not exactly against a fearsome Minnesota Vikings defense, right? This isn't, it's not like they were up against one of the best teams in the league. You'd put that as a win. The Texans, Browns, to me, it's a toss up. But let's just say they lose that because, you know, the Texans are obviously doing a lot of things right at the moment. And then I would assume they would beat the Jets and the Bengals in the final two weeks of the season. Well, I don't know about the Bengals. Yeah, but I mean that – because you could just deal with the Bengals having shut everyone down, right? A final game. Like the Bengals will have nothing to play for. I mean they're 6-6. and six. Yeah, but the Bengals aren't going to be in – They not got, gonna got go Joe into, Burrow 2.0 back there. <laughs> the Bengals are not going to go into the week 18 with a with live playoff hopes. So I They think got you'll Jake seeing, Hollywood. <laughs> you'll be seeing no Jamar Chase, probably, you know, mixing for a quarter – like that's if the Browns put it this way, if the Browns go into the VAT week needing to win and don't, then that would be a very Cleveland Browns thing to do. So yeah, I think we see Joe Flacco starting a playoff game.
0: Speaking of Jamar Chase, um, I don't know if you watched the game, but there was a lot of trash talking going on. And I thoroughly and it was it wasn't Chase that was initiating it. He actually looks like he has fun when he plays. He's like always smiling and stuff. But there was the defenders on the Jags were like in his face left and right. And then he continued to just dismantle that team. I think he had like 12 catches for like 170 or something like that and a TD. I mean, just continued because he had like one drop. It was like a third down play. He had a drop, but then he had to catch on fourth down. So like on the third down, they were just like, we're all in his face about how he dropped it. And then he caught it on fourth down and kind of just stood up and like gave the first down. It was really nice to see when people like want to shit talk someone and then they get like stomped on, and it reminded me of the day before and the cowboy or Thursday night with the Cowboys game with the tight end Ferguson, who got into it with Adams on the Seahawks, and then Ferguson then had the game winning touchdown over yeah. Adams, <laughs> and, yeah, then nice and then did you see CD Lamb? But but Ferguson played he played the high road and kind of just gave him a quick stare he and then walked away.
1: He gave him a look someone a high look. road, but but c d yeah. lamb
0: did not give the high road because he pointed and ran all the way towards Adams and then turned and celebrated so it was it's I enjoy watching that when people want to trash talk and then and then can't back it up it's It's fun to watch sometimes,
1: yeah, and look, I'm fine with someone trash talk. I mean the difficult thing, right is it is. You can't judge their motivation, right? So in the case of Ferguson, fine. I mean, like he's a good tight end, but I don't have any issue with someone trash talking. It's not like you're kind of disrespecting one of the greatest tight ends in the league. Jamar Chase is a difficult one. He's one of the top five, six wide receivers in the league. So you kind of have to be on a pretty significant podium yourself before you can really be doing that without looking bad. But also maybe you're just, maybe there's, you know, this story out that if you, you can get in his head, you can get him rattled, you can make him do dumb things. And so maybe the player knows like, look, I really shouldn't be trash talking Jamar Chase. Like I don't deserve to do that, so to speak, but this might help our team. Like I might end up looking bad because there's going to be a few bad highlights after I've told him he sucks. But if it means we end up winning the game, which they did, then maybe, you know, that contributed to it in some way, but but, yeah, it's uh, – who knows? Any other quick fire NFL topics? Um,
0: I did have one more. I tried to throw I've one got a one. question
1: for you. I want to know – this is a difficult thing to get a straight answer out of you on. But I legitimately want to know right now what your opinion – of, on Justin Herbert is like what? in a game when he beat maybe the worst team in the NFL 6 0. I want to know what you actually think, not the like Frank Duca spin of I still think he's incredible and the team is just, you know, like <laughs> refusing to turn your back on someone you believed in. I want to know the actual, you know, what do you think? Where is he in terms of kind of quarterback ranking? status at this point.
0: I I mean, I, I still think he's really good. I just think he's he's in a on a team that's just a disaster. They are like the definition of a clusterfuck. Staley is not a head coach. I mean, this guy has proven time and time again he is not a head coach. And it's I'm actually disappointed because I genuinely do think he is a very good, talented quarterback. But right now he's just not in a good program, and I think it's gonna i think it's this will permanently mess him up because I think what's happening is, as I've watched him from like year to year, he is definitely starting to freeze a little more in the pocket and get sacked more than he normally did in like last season and i th- I honestly think that's just because this offense is a mess, and they they have like no game plans like it's it's like one one time they're they're running it three straight times the next time they completely forget they have Eckler it's like fourth and 20 we're going for it fourth and one we don't like you're just in a crazy system and I think it's starting to mess with them and I think he's regressing a little bit. I genuinely do think I still think the talent and the arm is there but I think from like going through his reads and his options I think he's
1: regressing top 10 quarterback in the league at the moment yes hundred percent okay.
0: Wait, I, it's 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 difficult for me to. Do you mean like if I were to pick ten QBs, I'd want on my team? Is he one of them? Yes, a hundred percent.
1: Okay, uh, you're the you're Lynch. The NFL trade window opens again. The Chargers call and they say we want to do a straight straight swap right now. Herbert for Brock Purdy. Throw out the. <laughs> Throw out the like, well, we'll stick with the guy. It's midseason. He's got to learn our playbook. Like throw all of the kind of rational reasons out for why you wouldn't do it. Like a pure, who do I think in the long run is going to win me more games? Do you say yes to that? Straight swap. I'm a
0: Niner season ticket holder tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you say no. Justin (laughs) Herbert is sitting next to you in the stand. (laughs) <laughs> okay, interesting. I no, know.
0: I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I. It's tough. I don't, I don't think you take Brock Purdy out of a team where he's got three losses in his career right now. No,
1: I know. Yeah, no, I know. But that's a different right. We're trying to eliminate. The kind I know, of I know. Rational reasons, because obviously you would say no. But okay, Joe Burrow, yes, Justin I, Herbert. We just, you just, you just asked me how do I feel about Burrow. I think Herbert. Uh, I think Herbert's is better than Burrow. I think they're close. Oh boy. That's
0: a rough I think they're take. very, very close.
1: <laughs> this is this is a hill you're going to die on. <laughs> this is. All right, there we go.
0: I mean, again, Joe Burrow in college had arguably the best offense in the history of college football, and I'm not saying he's not good, and I'm not saying he's not talented, but you have to take in consideration. He looks so phenomenal in college because he literally has a pro bowler at every skill position on that team. And you put him on the Bengals and he has Jamar Chase, who's a top five wide receiver, and Eckler, uh, and Joe Mixon. And, and like they have a good team. And they have a better
1: coach. Yeah, I mean, they got Jamar Chase. And I think after that, you're, you know, like Mixon's good. I wouldn't exactly say he is
0: Boyd you know. Higgins. You have 3 deep receivers.
1: Yeah, they're good. I don't think he's he's not surrounded by sort of the th-
0: the thing I'll Pro give Bowl Burrow over the thing I'll give Burrow over Herbert is I think Burrow is for sure a better like big time game player.
1: I'll I'll say this. Herbert is completely The best way I think I can always assess how I feel truly feel about a quarterback is if I've either bet money on them or against them, <laughs> and how do I feel late in the game when they have the ball? And Herbert now, when he has the ball late in the game, and if I've bet on them, I actually don't feel comfortable. He's almost getting to the degree of like, could I just take a really good punt here? Like if it's okay, the Chargers are up, th- <laughs> the Chargers are up three with two and a half minutes left. They have the ball. It's like second and 10 from their own 35. Part of me says, like, can we just run 25 seconds off the clock and punt to the 10-yard line? And I think I feel better about that. Like, that's the deal I'll sign up for. That's not a great vote of confidence for the quarterback. And equally, when he's on the other side, I have no fear in him getting the ball back now like to the point where I could almost in certain circumstances say, well, I really don't want the team I've bet on to make like throw a dumb pick or do like have a turnover that gives really good field position. So the reverse would be true where I'd be like, just punt it back to Herbert, put him on his own 20 and let's see this guy try and drive down the field. Because I feel like I've seen that a million times at this point and it's going to end probably in him lobbing a fourth and 15 into the fans. So like I'm, I'm okay with this. But yeah, that to me is the biggest. Hey, top top five QBR. <laughs> great. Because like that's, that's the biggest compliment I can pay to C.D. Stroud now. I'm legitimately afraid of C.J. C. Yeah. C. G., C. G., C. Stroud. C. G. Like, <laughs> C.G. C.G. <laughs> I'm legitimately afraid of him. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had, the, I had a bet on the Jags to beat the Texans. And when the when the Texans were starting to drive down the field in that final possession, I was like, "Um, well, it's it's lost. Like he, he is gonna he is gonna get the, the game winning touchdown." As this, you know, what are you
0: more afraid of, CJ Stroud, or Big Dom one day after he starts his <laughs> intermittent fast?
1: <laughs> That's gonna be, have to be a long fast. I think I don't think I'll see. I don't think I'll live long enough to see the, the gains from that from from that fast. But talking, you you mentioned obviously Joe Burrow's college football career. Unless you really have a, another topic you want to wrap up with on the NFL, no, I think that's we, good.
0: Once we, we talk about very, a six nothing
1: game, I think we've hit it all. <laughs> we we pay very little attention to college football for the most part. Well, I mean, we both watch it actively, on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> on the podcast we rarely discuss it. Uh, obviously, you know, last couple of weeks of college football had some big games, big action, big drama. And then obviously the playoff matchups were set on Sunday for this year's college football playoffs, which is for those, for our listeners not in the United States who are unfamiliar with the way college football works, just as like a very, very quick rundown. Obviously, because there are so many teams involved and they do not all play each other. They play their schedule and then there is a committee that tries to assess the various strengths of these teams and ranks them on a weekly basis. And then, at the moment, the top four ranked teams at the end of the season go into a playoff to try and determine the national champion. So, first versus four, second versus third in the playoffs, in the semifinals, and then a final matchup to decide the the winner. That's a very, very quick, and it does not do justice to the complications and nonsensical elements of the college football committee. But that at least gives a brief explanation. The big drama, in a sense, in terms of how they were determining the four teams that made it this year, not for the first time, it involved in Florida State, a team that had not lost. And yet that team finds itself on the outside looking in, not having been put in the top four. And I think fundamentally, we kind of both agree on this topic and that the goal is to put the best four teams in and Florida State is not one of them particularly as they have their like what third string quarterback playing anyway but then it does send a complicated message to other teams for the future
0: yeah it's it's tough and actually we both don't have much of a hill to stand on because in the past i've argued that if a team goes undefeated in a big conference then they do deserve the shot and you've argued that you want to see the four best teams in. So yes. neither of us can really argue against what happened because it's actually the, op- you know, kind of what Well, you,
1: you can, because you, based on I your- can,
0: but I actually agree with what yes. the committee did. Yeah, so no, I can't hypocrite. really talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're, you see, here's the thing is I can't argue against it because this is exactly what I said should happen. You can, because this is exactly what you said, shouldn't. But now you agree with it. (laughs) But I agree with it this time. And it's tough. And my bigger, you know, we're not the right podcast in a sense to like break down the uh, strengths of the various teams involved. The one thing I will say is, and I know you're the so college football is expanding the playoffs as of next year. And even this year, a lot of people said, isn't it a shame that we didn't have the expanded playoffs this time around? A few people even kind of jokingly throwing out, like, shouldn't we just quickly expand this to six teams (laughs) for this year and, like, the top two get a bye and then we do it that way to be fair? Which obviously was never going to happen, but whatever. My question is, isn't this a great example of why they shouldn't expand the playoffs? Because ultimately this has led to debate and attention that college football probably desperately wants and makes people either love it or hate it, which is better than apathy. Whereas next year, probably there's not going to be a lot of discussion because...
0: No, see, I think that's where you're wrong because I think there'll almost be just as much discussion as who... because it's So next year, they're going to expand it to a 12-team playoff, which I also want to discuss in a second. But I think you'll still have the 13th and 14th best team even complain more because at that point, the level of differences between the teams will be so diverse in ways of which you can argue for and against certain teams. Like right now, the main argument is Florida state is out. They're an undefeated team in a power five conference. How can you put them out versus Another power five team that has a one loss. And I mean, that's pretty cut and dry that that's, those are the two things, right? Is Does one team have the better strength of schedule that despite the loss they deserve to be in than the team that's undefeated that played an absolutely shit schedule and and the other added thing of losing their quarterback, which we can also discuss a little bit later that people have been making the dumbest comparisons on the planet to. But when you go to 12 teams, you're not going to have an undefeated team at 13 unless they're in a crazy small conference, you're going to have like a two loss team. Comparing to like a three loss team or like a one loss versus like a three. And it's going to be crazy how you're going to try and compare that. So and the dumbest part is they're not going to have a fucking chance to win a national championship anyway. And that's kind of what bothers me is I don't know why they're so insistent on going to a 12 team playoff when this year is actually the perfect example of why eight would be great and even maybe a little much. Because when you get to eight, that would be Oregon. And I can make a case that Oregon might actually be one of the best teams in the country. They've only lost twice to the number two ranked team. And both games, they actually were probably the better team in that game, but somehow lost. You can make that argument. You go to seven, that's Ohio State. You can make the argument that Ohio State is the best team. You go to nine, nine is fucking Missouri. You can't tell me Missouri is the best team. Ten is Penn State. I've watched Penn State every week. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right.
1: First take. <laughs>
0: but you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't understand why they're going where you're going to include Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Liberty. They're not winning. Like you could do six or eight, and I think you could legitimately say these are the only teams that are probably the best team in the country.
1: But history would tell us with sports, right? Eventually one of them will win. Like a 12 seed will win at some point and people will love it it will be a cinderella story although i don't really know how like the 12th seed should be a cinderella story but you know what i mean like people will lose their minds especially if it were to be like a school like you know liberty or something you know one of really a a sort of smaller school people would really get behind them i do kind of agree with you i mean ultimately you know I i think i could i could fix college football in a in a heartbeat and you know. just go Yours to is way too two. complicated. It's not that complicated. <laughs> you just go to Division One, Division Two, relegation, promotion between the two, and you get it solved. And then you get to the—they all play each other over the course of the regular season. You know, reversing year after year, home versus away, and then you take the best six teams, say from that, go into a playoff first two by. The, the, the system is infinitely better from one season to the next, but I do—I get where you're coming from. But
0: uh, let, let me give you this. You say the Cinderella story. What's the lowest seed to ever win the NCAA basketball championship where they have oh. 16 seeds in four different brackets? What's the lowest seed
1: team? Probably an eight or a nine.
0: Eight. Eight. That's it. Eight. <laughs> it's so it's, it's never been lower than the top 32 teams. So that's not really even a Cinderella. So but. actually, I, I don't think I don't think I, I'll I wish I could bet this somewhere. For the life of my existence, I don't I mean, think a 12
1: this. seed will win the will win you the, need the You football. need to go through like a full health check to, for them <laughs> to be able to give you the odds. But I, I'll say this: you're you're kind of right. Although I think those that statistic needs a bit more context because we are seeing even in college basketball, right, way more like 16s beat ones, and you know, 12 plus seeds make kind of deep runs because I do think two things are obviously college basketball kind of messed up anyway, just because the uh, you know, all the good teams are one and done. So that can kind of hurt them in the tournament against teams that actually have built some kind of chemistry over a couple of years. That's different to football. The transfer portal does mean that there is more quality of player. Like you are going to get good quarterbacks at, at the top 20 teams, you know, like we could go back a few years and you would have seen three great quarterbacks sitting on the bench for Ohio state. And that just won't happen anymore because some guy is going to transfer, get $1.5 million to do it and go. Well, I think as I say, I think NIL ruined that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the two quarterback will never sit. Yeah. So there'll be, there is definitely going to be more parity between, you know, amongst the top 20, 25 teams now than there was 10 years ago. So maybe, but I mean, you could also
0: argue that those top teams have so much more money to spend on players that you're going to start to see a concentration of players just going to the schools that are giving them literally the biggest contracts.
1: Yeah, maybe. But you're still not going to get a core. You're still going to end up, most teams are going to end up with a good quarterback. Like you're going to get, you know, if you are a pretty big program, you're going to end up with like a, you know, uh, blue chipper quarterback, which is a big, thing and obviously in college football in particular but i don't know i kind of part of me hates it because i think like i and i kind of feel like they're being hypocrites if you're really committed to this dumb committee idea stick to the committee deciding everything in this kind of farcical manner well they still will they will but they they're kind of making they are making it big enough that yes you're right the team that because i'll tell you right now is gonna complain I can
0: but. give you a personal example because right now, Liberty, they, they actually, which is even dumber, they do rank still like the top 20. And Liberty is number 12. So they would be the last team in. Liberty is in a tiny conference that plays nobody. University of Arizona is ranked fourteenth, They are going to miss out on making the playoffs. They're the only team in college football to beat four ranked teams. So if I'm a diehard University of Arizona fan, I, I would be furious that you're letting this little university in pennsylvania make it to the national championship playoff when we beat every like the most ranked teams in the country and they don't get in so i i still think you're going to have that argument and it's going to be even crazier because who can in their right mind say like liberty is a contender for a national championship
1: you're you're really focused on the idea that you to make the playoffs you must be a contender and that's interesting if that's the criteria that you create i'm not sure that's that wouldn't be but isn't that I the point it. of the playoffs? I think the point of the playoffs should be to a combination of identifying the best teams and rewarding. If you're having this committee approach, it has to be that mixture of like identifying the best teams and rewarding the teams who have the best seasons. It has to be some kind of balance. Because otherwise, I could just set the playoffs at the beginning of the season. I and mean, you know this is kind of how I feel. Let's just put Alabama in every year. Ohio State in every year. you know, like Georgia in every year. Um, and save ourselves all a bunch of time. But, you know, that's not what's going to happen. You're right. that Still, the teams in the bubble, like 13 to 20, are probably going to be arguing. But the difference is going to be this is big schools with big media attention arguing versus that's going to be the University of Arizona, which, I mean, a relatively big school, but not from a footballing perspective. And no one... It's not going to... I don't think it's going to lead it to, like, national debate. Whereas, obviously, people, you know, adamant that either an undefeated team should be in or even people who are like, well, Georgia is still possibly the best team in college football. So, like, they should be in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, that's that at least leads to actual strong opinions. I think it will be less with the expanded playoffs.
0: And, you know, (laughs) like... I, I I do very much dislike this committee because they do stupid shit over and over again and they never learn from their lesson. So I agree that Florida State is not one of the four best teams in the country. I agree with that assessment. And their reasoning is, one, their strength of schedule is low. So even though they were undefeated, they didn't play the quality of teams week in and week out. And two... Their starting quarterback, which was the main reason they were dominating on offense, is out for the year. So that changes the dynamic of this team. That's fine. But what's so dumb is then they rank them fifth ahead of Georgia and Ohio State, which are both one loss teams. That if you really think that changed the dynamic, then there's no way that you think Georgia is still not as good as Florida State. It's so dumb because if you told me right now they played each other, the spread would be minus 15 Georgia at least. And that's like, why do that? Why put yourself up for that stupidity? Like just rank them what you honestly think they are. If you're going to say they're not the four best and they don't make it, then don't just be like, well, you know, we'll throw them number five. Like stick to your guns and rank them. I would rank them seven or eight.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's actually – it's a very fair point. And I, <laughs> it's a very fair point. And that was reflected to a certain degree, right, even this weekend where they were – it was like a push between Florida State and Louisville in the betting, I think. Yeah. I think maybe Florida State was like half a point favorite, one point favorite. So that is also a, a sort of assessment of how good do we really think they are. Yeah. That – you know, they're playing against a team who is not in the discussion to make the playoffs, and we're basically saying it's a toss-up. But, yeah. And guess who now, Guess who Florida State's playing <laughs> in the bowl game? Who, who? Is it? Georgia. Oh, yeah, and Georgia to our 14-point favorites
0: at the moment. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so there you go.
1: But Missouri... One point but, but,
0: so but that's what's crazy, right? Fourteen point favorite, right? But you're going to tell me that they're ranked above them? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no. I mean, that's that is a very fair point. That that uh, discrepancy in terms of if you really are going to say they aren't that good, then give them a true ranking versus well, we we'll just we're just going to make them miss out. But yeah, speaking of controversies, I guess we can do a quick like uh, Premier League discussion. A uh, uh, f- few matches with late goals. Arsenal with a late winner today. Liverpool with a very late turnaround to score two goals against Fulham on Sunday. But really the big talking point from the weekend or, the, or these kind of last set of fixtures was Manchester City drawing against uh, Spurs. Is it the
0: big talking point or is it your big talking point? <laughs> oh, no, I think
1: the refereeing element is the big talking point. Yes. I think yes. Um, the the handling... The game itself, I think we don't have to speak too much. City were f- by far the better team, should have won. If they play that game, you know, nine times more, I think City win nine of them. It was one of those, like, I don't know quite how Spurs managed to score three goals. I don't know how City only managed to score three goals. So, you know, it's, we're we're, we're an XG podcast, right? I think the XG was like Spurs' XG was something like 0. 0.4, and yet they scored three goals cities XG was something like 2.8 and they scored three so I mean they did they were about right although that also included an own goal so you kind of don't get a big benefit from XG from the own goal anyway so really that means they should have scored probably four if you're kind of <laughs> using XG properly but yeah it was um you know not too much to discuss from the sort of match itself aside from in the dying minutes uh Holland being fouled kind of riding the challenge, getting up, playing a ball, putting Jack Grealish through on goal with a ball over the top. The referee signaling very clearly that he was playing advantage. And then for whatever reason, as soon as it was clear that Grealish was through on goal, deciding to blow his whistle and bring it back for the foul. It is one of the most confusing pieces of officiating I have seen in the Premier League in recent seasons. It's difficult for me to think. And I actually think that this is less excusable than most of the big mistakes we've seen from referees in recent, like certainly this season. I think this is worse than VAR making a mistake with the offside for the Diaz goal against Spurs. I think this is genuinely worse refereeing because that was like confusion and poor communication leading to a bad mistake. This, it's actually difficult. I want him to give an explanation of well, why did you do what you did? Like what was, why signal advantage and then decide to stop play when advantage has been gained? It's very difficult to kind of understand. So do, do you think he just genuinely got confused
0: and didn't realize he had signaled the advantage, and then blew the whistle as like to bring the ball back, and didn't realize that he had signaled advantage. Like I, because to me, that's like one of the only yeah. reasons that, unless you kind of just like literally had a brain fart and didn't realize what you did, I don't know why you do that.
1: I it think the made, only it made exp- no sense. I mean, it's difficult to forget that you signal advantage, right? Because it's such a clear action of sticking your arms up to show that play can continue, but that you've said there is a foul there. The only thing, if you really are going to defend him, I think the only thing you can give him is that Holland gets up, kind of plays this ball off the, over the top, and maybe from the angle that he has, he does not realize that Grealish is through on goal. Some people are defending him by saying he thought that Grealish was offside. I won't accept that as a defense. doesn't matter. With, with VAR, you just let play continue and then you go yeah. back. Uh, I think the only thing you can say is he felt like, maybe from his perspective – I'll Holland sort of basically kicked this away I'll bring this back for the foul I mean it's just a tough one it's a really hard look you could tell it was so bad because Pep Guardiola was so angry he wasn't <laughs> even angry you know yeah. you saw someone he just on the sidelines was just <laughs> bemused and I then felt bad for the fourth official You and you could watch the replay of it with Guardiola speaking to the fourth and just kind of gesticulating towards the fourth official in complete confusion and the fourth official is just sort of like shrugging they obviously can't say anything (laughs) an actual acknowledgement of like oh boy we've he's fucked up there like there's no yeah i can't really say anything like you're right but i can't say you're right because that's not what my job is supposed to include but yeah it's it's a bad one it's a bad one and you know probably come the end of the season it won't matter and look we also cannot say that Jack Grealish was absolutely guaranteed to score. I think he probably he would already have. had one. Didn't yeah. He? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He scored what should, have, what you would have expected to have been the winner. Yeah. when he put them three, two up. A nice one. Um, But you would have felt very confident with him bearing down on goal, but it, you know, it's not as if it's different from the Diaz situation in that respect. You're not talking about a goal that actually was scored. that has been removed, but yeah, a very bad bit of, and just overall, the standard of officiating in the Premier League and English football as a whole at the moment is, sub- is terrible. It's really unacceptably poor for a, a, a league that has so much money in it.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I generally hate to hear when people say the ref shouldn't be deciding games or matches. And I hate that because... It's usually not the right thing to say because the other example I'm thinking of that to me was almost just a bad of a call is in the Chiefs game at the very end when Mahomes throws to Valdez Scantling and the player literally jumps on top of Scantling and knocks him to the ground and they don't call pass interference and you hear like the well you know, like you don't want the refs to decide a game. It's like, but the ref not making a call has decided the game because he didn't make the call he should have. And it's the same thing here. Like, like, oh, like, like, you know, maybe the ref shouldn't even play the advantage. Like, no, he should have played the advantage. It was the right thing to do, but he's just shit at his job and messed it up. Like it isn't, it it, like, it it pisses me off when, when refs decide games or matches, but not because they're like making too many calls or being too nitpicky,
1: but they're just shit. (laughs) Yeah, And this is the tough one too, right? if he had just blown his whistle instantly when Holland had been fouled, I wouldn't have had any issue with it. Like it would have been fair to assume that Holland going in the direction of his own goal, being fouled in the circumstances that he was that just instantly blowing for a foul and awarding the free kick would have been fine. And if he'd done that, he would have been a bit critical of like, look, we want to see referees play advantage. Like, there's a reason why we have this. Don't stop play every time. It's bit It's frustrating for the players. It's frustrating from a fan perspective. You slow the game down. You could have had that criticism, but fun, you you would have ultimately, and you probably would have had Holland yelling in his face about it, but not quite to the same degree. But to have to play the advantage and the, like to do kind of n- neither one nor the other to like play the advantage, but like, oh, actually, it turns out they had advantage. Never mind. Let's just come back here. You know that's the thing that really kills him, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad refereeing, and as I said, it's just the NFL's had some pretty poor officiating this season. But the Premier League, for what is supposed to be the best league in the world from a player standpoint, it is far from the best league in the world from an officiating standpoint. And they've gotta get that fixed. All right. Last episode. We uh, teased that we would be discussing Squid Game, The Challenge. Is that what it's called? Yeah.
0: I have not watched a minute of it past the trailer.
1: Okay. I have (laughs) watched. But I want to hear your take. (laughs) I've watched the first two episodes. So I wouldn't, you know, there there won't be any spoilers in this. I think it's fair to say for people, this will just be a discussion of like, do we think you should watch it? Or is it interesting as a concept? It's pretty enjoyable to watch. Like, I wasn't sure whether or not I would actually find it fun to watch. It actually actually is interesting. The people who are on that show are insane. Like, the people who they have found. (laughs) But that's
0: probably that's probably how they got on.
1: Oh, yeah. The vetting that they did, the, like, record a video of yourself and then we'll speak to you and all that stuff. They did a good job of identifying the right type of weirdos to be in there. There are also very clearly, I know there's been a bit of a backlash to one guy who, I don't know if you've seen the clip where he's kind of like crying and then potentially throwing up there's no uh, he does like the cookie game so for starters uh, that's okay i don't want to have spoilers they ha- he is one of the people basically one representative of each of the four groups they have to determine which of the the like cookies you know the thing where the, the needle did you watch squid game the actual tv show no Okay, so only only Well,
0: I watched like two episodes. Okay,
1: so if you didn't see that game, which I think is where they had to like carve the cookie out from the mold, uh, he kind of messes that up. And then he's just constantly on the verge of throwing up. So he's sort of gagging. <laughs> and then when he gets eliminated, he both like cries and nearly throws up. And there's been a bit of a backlash on the internet being like, turns out he's an actor. And we think this is like him trying to show off his range on the show, which I think a lot of people are probably using this for, right? Like here's okay. my chance to like get a bit of a social media following, show yeah. people that I can cry when I need to, show people that I can really act sad or happy or whatever. But yeah, I feel a bit sorry. But the people in general, like I I would have loved to go on the show in terms of I think actually doing the challenges would have been fun. I don't think I could have handled the – other type of people who would have been around me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it. I. The trailer looked looked like
1: something. <laughs> it's. I mean, it, it's fun to watch. Like, I would actually say, like, if you're looking for something to watch, watch it. I think it's better. I know you liked that, like one Korean show where they took were taking one hundred. Like, I think it's called super. Yeah, it's called? like super athletes and putting them against. Yeah, them. that was really cool. This is kind of nice that it's normal people. Now you do have very athletic people in this group, but then you also have 65 year olds who obviously are not going to be. And that kind of changes that balance because people are trying to make uh, allegiances and stuff. And you obviously want some strong people, but then you also might want people who might excel at the more mental challenges. So you do have this, you know, who do you make friends with and why is an interesting part of it, but it's good. The thing I would love to know, and you you kind of mentioned it, right? What percentage of the 400 and something people who start on the show would have done it had they been told you actually could die? Like that's what I would like to know because there are definitely people in the world, right? And not just well, then isn't that just Squid Game? That is, (laughs) but not because not because of just pure desperation. Because that's obviously sad, which is what Squid Game leads into is like people who are in like desperate, desperate positions in their lives who are willing to risk everything to try and get themselves out of it. I just mean even people who might be like, hey, I could become a little famous and make 4.6 million dollars fuck it i'm pretty confident in myself like and what do you do it's like well i'm a realtor in tucson you know like, <laughs> like actually actually life is pretty good i have two children and then they're like you know what i've always thought i would be good at something like this like i watch squid games on netflix and i knew i would win it and i'm i'm willing to put my money where my mouth is here like put, i will put my life that. on the line <laughs> yeah you know there's people who would do that like they wouldn't even like you'd be like Oh, you're not desperate. Not at all. Just desperate to prove myself.
0: <laughs> I mean, I also just like what we talked about in the podcast. I would love the idea of it being like it is, but for this first episode, they have like four paid actors in the front. Because is the first game the red light, green light game? Yeah. And in the very beginning of the Relay game, they just like legit get shot and pretend to be dead. And then Whoa. just to see what happens to those people are just like,
1: oh, fuck, this is real. I mean, here's the thing I give for credit for, too, right? Because they have these like exploding blood capsules on their chest when they get eliminated to try and make it seem like they were shot. And yeah. people really commit to their deaths. <laughs> ah! Like people go full on and you get... You know, some people are friends and they've gone on with each other. So you get one person dying and then like me turning to you and being like, I love you, man. And like like a dying, it's like a saving private Ryan scene and like you turning to me like as you're on the sand being like, win it for me, Eddie. (laughs) there's, (laughs) There's a lot of those moments and you don't know how much people are knowing it's amusing Versus they're just complete weirdos, right? Like yeah. if we were on it, would we act that way? Cause it would make ourselves laugh a little bit to have done it. You never know. But um yeah, it's uh it's watchable. I will say that. It's very watchable. But yes. I can only do one season of it. If this comes back for season two, I've had it. It's 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 kind of done it, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
0: Well, I've I think we talked about the curse uh already. Um which I haven't been able to watch episode two yet, so I'll be watching that soon. But I did watch uh, Bodies, which is a Netflix show. It is basically the poor man's English version or UK version of Dark. (laughs) Uh, it, It wasn't bad, but it's basically a murder mystery with time travel and different timelines and things. Uh, I like I'm a sucker for time travel and I'm also a sucker for murder mysteries and I'm also a sucker for UK shows. So like it merged really well, but I have to say I didn't like love it. Love it. It was good. I, I watched it. It was enjoyable. I don't regret watching it, but it wouldn't be like my highest recommendation to anyone. It's 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 worth it if you got some time to kill. It was actually really long. It was like eight eight episodes of an hour each. So it's a pretty big time commitment for a pretty smallish story um and then we also started watching murder at the end of the world with clive owen uh it's from the people who made uh oa the that really weird show with the angel and stuff um and that's actually pretty good uh i think there's like two episodes left but it's like one of those weekly drops so it's, that is that actually good been for me,
1: right you're you're a big clive owen fan
0: Love Clive Owen. And in so fact, I, I heard someone talking the other day that Children of Men is 25 years old, I think what it was. 20 or 25. Crazy. One of my all-time uh, favorite movies. Must be
1: 20. It definitely wasn't a 90s movie. 2003 feels right for Children of Men. It definitely wasn't in the 90s. But yeah, 2003 feels right. It was definitely a high school movie for me. And yet Children of Men, I mean now – Criminally underrated as a movie, right? I mean, it's one of those ones that does not get the attention it deserves nowadays. It's similar, yeah. like when we, we did, not that long ago, right? We did that list of best movies from the last 25 years from IMDb or whatever. I don't think Children of Men was on any of those Might lists. Might have been the
0: it, very bottom. Maybe. but it, I mean it should be,
1: should be relatively high. Love really. that
0: movie. So good.
1: So speaking of anniversaries there, though, do you know what turned... 31 today. It's not a movie or a TV show. It is a a piece of technology.
0: The iPhone. No, it can't be right. (laughs) Um, The iPod.
1: (laughs) No, it's actually sort of more ubiquitous even. So it is the first ever text message. Or ah. specifically SMS, which was sent on December third, nineteen ninety-two. So not quite, we're kind of falling just after the thirty-one year anniversary. But uh, do you have do you wanna have a guess at what the first ever SMS said? Ahoy. Ah, it's not a bad guess. It said it was just Merry Christmas. A bit strange given the fact that it was I mean, I guess it makes sense seasonally, but still a little bit far away from Christmas itself to have that be the the thing you say first. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's my, our rare technology update. That's all I've got. I was either going to guess Ahoy or
0: Mary had a little lamb.
1: Okay. That would have,
0: <laughs> I think that was the first thing recorded on the phonograph.
1: It's interesting that they didn't try and do, which obviously often, often people do, right? Like to kind of mimic the, uh, Sort of first telephone conversation, uh, but yeah, still difficult to imagine my life without texts. As a guy who does not like speaking on the phone, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing annoys me more than someone calling me over texting me. So I'm very happy that SMS exists. I I guess it's
0: tough to replicate the first telephone thing because it's. Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. (laughs) Well,
1: that could have been the text message.
0: (laughs) Got to have very specific circumstances for that to happen and work That would have
1: been a great way to start off the way in which all the text messages have gone on to be used.
0: (laughs) Mr. Watson, come
1: here. Netflix and chill. (laughs) Yeah. Eggplant emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Invented on the same day the text message was. (laughs) It was like the first thing they did when the technology came out. How quickly do you think Mr. Watson showed up with with (laughs) with like
0: a basket of eggplants?
1: (laughs) How quickly do you think from the first SMS being sent to people starting to do the like back when you had to like use characters to do the like dick symbol and stuff? How. Do you think that's in the first hundred SMSs that were sent? No, no, no. No? You don't no, think so? no
0: way, be- because it was probably such a limited amount of people who had them.
1: Yeah, but you know, still. You don't think you don't think those guys are gonna instantly be like, I'm gonna be like, hey, look, look fast. Look what I'm about to send to Frank. <laughs> I can send him something <laughs> that kind of looks like a penis. <laughs> All right. I did want to I guess we, speaking of records and timelines and stuff, maybe we should acknowledge historically bad month for the Detroit Pistons. Don't know if you saw that, but the Detroit Lions managed to win more games this in the month of November than the Detroit Pistons did, which is a pretty impressive feat for a basketball game. Um, they played... I believe fifteen games in the month of November. They lost all okay. fifteen. Oof, tough, tough beat. <laughs> it's, it's a rough look. So, I, I saw literally one of the statistics was that the Texas Rangers won more games in November than the Detroit Pistons did, and the <laughs> Texas Rangers the Texas Rangers only played one game in November. So,
0: that's always an unfair thing.
1: Yeah. But all right. Any any other topics? you'd like to cover
0: no i think uh that about wraps it up for me all right, all right i'll talk to you later see you, Here you go. Yeah.